Welcome to the Rock Family Sermon of the Week. For more information about our church, please visit therockfamily.tv. Now join us for a message from Pastor Lisa Nelson. For all of us in the room today, I want you to realize after this morning that when he pre-thought out this Christmas story, for each and every one of you, wherever you are in your life, we have a classic role. There's a classic part that we each have to pay our lives throughout every turn, our conduit for his kingdom to be displayed, a journey for others to see who he is, a story about our lives that was written before you ever breathed your first breath. How about we go a little bit further than that? Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you and I declared over your life a classic role for the end times. In Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I destined it. This kingdom story written, and it's for this purpose, to tell his goodness, to tell his mercy, and to show forth the praises of him who has called each of us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's 1 Peter 2.9. In Psalm 107, it says this, and here's why your story and your classic role, not just in this season, but this season reminds us of the greatest gift, the greatest story that was ever written and why you have a classic part. And it's because Psalm 107, two says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The Hebrew here is, if he has redeemed you, if he's done anything in your life, then you have an opportunity to tell your story. During the Christmas season, for some of us in this room, Christmas brings maybe memories of pain and loss. For some of us, families are celebrating the birth of new babies. Young ones are having their first Christmas. For others, you're grieving the loss of a child, a spouse, a family member, or a friend. The pain is unfathomable. Grief, listen to this, grief is the high price that we pay for the depth of love that we carry. But it's that same love because he came. That same love is the love that will heal us and carry us forward. For others of us today watching and the sounds, I love it when our children are with us. So if they cry, if they squeal, if they make a noise, if they drop something, don't worry about it. It's what tomorrow morning's gonna be like. Does not bother me at all. For others here today, this is a joyful time. It's baking, it's parties, and eating, and giving, and loving, and eating some more, and caring, and decorating, and eating, you know, which leads us to January the 1st when we all make that New Year's resolution. (laughs) So much eating, so much, all the goodies. Also, it's family and friends and neighbors coming together But this morning for all of us, as you leave here today, this message, this word, I want you to take it back to your family. Let it become a tradition. Let it be that moment that you say, I will never let another Christmas go by, that I don't force myself to recenter. That place where we refocus, we recalibrate, we remember. 
the glorious light of Jesus and remind us that the gift of Christmas, this gift changed everything. Changed everything. Because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who would, whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 8 says this, but because of his great love for us, God who was rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. When we were dead, when we were broken, when we were not fixed, when we were covered in what was unlovely. He said, I'm gonna send Jesus. It's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised up Christ and he seated him right next to him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus in order, don't miss this, in order that in the coming age with him, he could display the surpassing riches of his grace demonstrated by Christ Jesus. And we can't take credit for it because this kind of grace, mercy, hope, peace, joy, and love, this is what the word says, was his gift to us. Could you bow your heads with me this morning as we dedicate this word to him? Father, I thank you, Lord, that we could all come together. I first want to thank you, God, that in freedom, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And I thank you, Father, that we are in this room today. We're not having to hide out in a basement somewhere. We're not having to hide out like in so many other countries, Father, where people would be arrested meeting together. God, I thank you that we could come together in unity. God, I pray that this Christmas season with everyone, that you would show forth your praises on them, that they would feel the presence of God as they come together. And I thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Today's Advent candle is love, which is the final purple candle. And to all the, per the parents, when you receive your gift that Pastors Jeff and Deliska and Rock Kids so graciously put together for you, for your little ones, down inside of that, you were handed a Christmas ornament that they can hang on the tree. When you go home today, obviously every ornament is not this large. But I could have done that, but I knew that they'd be bopping each other in the middle of service or the lady in front of you or whatever. Um, take this ornament home Hang it on your tree. Let it become a tradition for you that when you hang that heart ornament, you remind them of what today's service was all about. So this Advent candle, this last purple candle, talks about this greatest gift that was given was the gift of love. This beautiful gift. And this is what it, what it tells us. God's love comes in ways that we are never prepared for. How many of you can say that you have felt the love of God, whether it be through an individual or you have felt the love of God personally in a way that you never expected it? Number two, out of his great love, he has established every one of our days. Therefore, when you're committed to him and you walk in his way, you can't miss him. You trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You don't lean in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge who he is and he will direct your path. You can't miss him. God's too big for us to miss. 
Number three, nothing and no one can stop God's purpose and his plan. Nothing. Number four, we are a part of God's great plan. We are a part of his classic role. Whether you're Mary and Joseph, a shepherd or a wise man, or you're a goat or a sheep or a donkey, or you're door holder number three. You know, the scripture tells us whatever we find to do, do it with all of your heart. Whatever your hands find to do, find a need and fill it. That's what the word tells us to do. Regardless of where that position of serving is, are you doing it to be seen or are you doing it to serve the king? Let me say that one more time. Are you doing it to be seen? A door holder isn't seen. Our greeters have the, our parking team has the most incredible role because they're the first, they're the first people that you see. Are you doing what you do out of your heart because you want to be seen or are you doing it to give honor to the king? Colossians 1.15 says, God sent his son Jesus who was the image of the invisible God so that through you and me, he could display the image of his great love. Christmas is all about God's gift of love. Not just loving when it's easy or loving because those people love us back in the way that we want to be loved. You know, that relative. Everybody just take a deep breath. You're going to have to see that relative over the next few days. We love because he first loved us. And it gives us the ability to love in a way, not because we're being loved the way we want to be loved, but we can love with his love and not our own. The scripture reminds us of this, John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you belong to me by the way you love one another. Let all that you do be done in love. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, Colossians 3, 14. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, John chapter 4. Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, said it this way, we were created in God's image to do two things on earth, to learn how to love God and learn how to love other people. It's that simple, loving God and loving people. And to us, it came in the most amazing package, wrapped in strips of cloth, a baby. 2,000 years ago, an event happened that all of heaven had been waiting for. Jesus, the Son of God, the light of creation, had to leave heaven and be born into a fallen humanity. I am certain that as the great cloud of witnesses looked on and the angels beheld this miracle, they were astonished to see the Prince of Heaven wrapped in swaddling clothes, in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Astonished. I'm sure that they were bewildered. And if angels could gasp, I'm sure they did. 
as heaven's sun, the bright and morning star, became heaven's greatest gift. He was born not in a clean environment, but in a place where livestock were kept and was placed in a feeding manger full of hay, cooing and crying, sleeping amongst the sound of cows and cattle and donkeys neighing. This child, heaven's prince, God's only son, Emmanuel, our savior and redeemer, he breathed his first breath outside in a place only fit for animals. This location was the exact place planned, prophesied. Don't think it was like, uh uh-oh, there wasn't room for them in the end. Like they just didn't add that. No, it was God's plan all along. It was his plan all along. Prophesied, destined, reserved for that moment that would change history. And on this night, all of heaven stood still and at full attention as the greatest gift of all time was born with one purpose for his life. And that was for him to redeem you and I and change humanity throughout all of eternity. My childhood memories of Christmas, though we didn't have much on a school teacher's salary and pastor of a very small church, Jan can say amen, but those memories shaped us. For me, it was in the 60s and 70s that I grew up, and usually we only got one to two presents. And being raised by two parents who were who raised during the Depression, I thought everybody's stockings looked like ours. So we got like maybe a new toothbrush, Jan's shaking her head, just a couple of little items, tiny items. Now, we buy so much stuff you can't even fit it in the stocking, right? We had a couple of things in there, but I knew that when I got past those couple of little tiny things, maybe a little notepad and a pen or a new diary, always a new toothbrush, I would hit an orange, a tangerine, an apple, and a few walnuts. I think I might have remembered that I would kind of go, cool. Like, wow. I mean, I thought everybody did that. It was awesome. But I also have to say, one of my greatest memories is Tom Booyer, my brother-in-law, Jan's husband, made Christmas unbelievable. As a little girl, he would go to great lengths, probably until I was 18. I think I remember the last time that you did this, but mom had sleigh bells. He would take a flashlight. He would go to my window. There were even times he got on the roof. It was his mission telling me, I just want to make sure that Santa knows where to come. Like, and even at, as 18, I would be kind of like, wait a minute, I hear sleigh bells. He even did that for my kids. The greatest memories when we all started having kids. But I don't know about you, you know, even as an adult, you kind of stare at everything wrapped underneath the tree and you're like, I wonder what that is. I, I wonder what, you know, look at me right now. I don't care how old you are. When we see a present, it just makes us really excited. Now, over here on this table, I have like some gifts. So when I was growing up, I lost one of them. Look at me, folks. I just need everybody under the age of 35 to look at what I'm about to show you right now, okay? This is all the bow we got. 
And sometimes it would be a, do y'all know what these are? Do you even remember what these, these little bows right here. Like we had a little bow, came in a huge bag. Here's the thing, you got a bag and all the bows would be flat, you know, and you got a bow. Now you get rolls and rolls of, you know, ribbon and you make the really, really beautiful gifts. But you know, as a, as a child, you're looking under that tree and you don't know, like, is the BB gun going to be under there? <laughs> right? Some of you adult guys are still wanting the BB gun you didn't get when you were 10. Maybe it's under there. I don't know. But you're looking under there wondering, is, is it going to be there? Like that gift, that gift. One Christmas, there was this one box and I thought I knew what was in it. I, I didn't know if I knew what was in it. And I snuck underneath the tree and we didn't have fancy wrapping paper either. All we had was like, it looked like this, you know, like the shiny green, gold, red. I think those are the only three colors you could get. And I looked at the shape of it and I'm like, I think that's what it is, but I cannot wait which is so against my personality, but I can't wait. So I just very gently, y'all stop looking at me so holy, like none of y'all have done this. Peel back the paper just a little bit, peel back the paper, oh my gosh, and there she was, my Shirley Temple doll. Did anybody get this? Anybody else? I'm the only one. Wow. You did not get this doll. And then after I shut it, I felt so bad. But this Christmas, I don't know, dad must've had a revival or something, had a little bit of extra money. That Christmas was the only year I got two dolls and I got my Holly Hobby doll. Who remembers this, right? You remember the Holly Holly doll? You know how gifts just make you feel. It's just that thing of looking at the box. Is, is that it? The other thing that I remember was, remember my grandmother always baking a birthday cake for Jesus. We would do that on Christmas Eve so we could put candles on it. And my dad would be preparing to read the Christmas story before we all went to bed. And sometimes we had to wait. And here's why. Because my grandmother always had my dad making the ambrosia. Who in this room knows what ambrosia is? Right, like it's painstaking. Like he would, you have to chop up the, you know, get the oranges and the tangerines and the pineapples and the cherries and cut up the walnuts and pecans and all the things. I mean, it was a mess. It was sticky. But I remember this one Christmas because he would hurry. I was about four or five years old. And I remember waiting outside the bathroom door because he was washing all the sticky off of his hands so that we could all come together in the living room. There was so much anticipation because dad was gonna read the Christmas story. The cousins were gonna act out the nativity, pulling all the bathrobes out of the closet and you know the ties on their head and sheets and you know, pillowcases for Mary and the angel. You're doing all the things to get ready for this incredible feeling, this feeling of anticipation. Anticipation has two emotions. It's that one emotion of excitement, but it's that other emotion of knowing that you're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait out the process and this is the same emotion that Father God had. He lived 
and that anticipation to give heaven's greatest gift, but then to sit back and watch that his son, this gift, would be giving the greatest price that he had ever given. I'm gonna call two very special friends out for me this morning. Uh, Rosalind Nelson, and Mr. Jude Silcox are gonna join me and they're going as though we are in the living room tonight, they are going to be reading for all of us the Christmas story. You can follow along this morning, the words will be on the screens. From Luke chapter, oh, oops. <laughs> From Luke chapter one, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you, are, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled and confused at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. When Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This was fulfilling the prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For us to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Luke 2. At that time, Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee. This was the fulfilling prophecy in Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, are only a small village among the people of Judea, of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose organs are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips, in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord, Lord's glory shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will, that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snuff wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. 
Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those, to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all of these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. Christmas means Christ Mass, or the remembrance of Christ's birthday. For hundreds of years, mankind has recognized and celebrated this holiday by taking communion, decorating Christmas trees, displaying nativity scenes, and giving presents. No matter the century, whether in a peasant's village or a queen's castle, whether in a time of war or in a time of peace, Christmas has always been celebrated. We've memorialized the birthplaces of kings, of presidents, and extraordinary people. How much more should Jesus' birth, his place of birth, and the gift of who he is take a place, a strong place of this gift amongst our lives every year? This morning, can we remind ourselves that the true story of Christmas was the greatest story of love that has ever been given. For me, giving gifts is the greater reward than receiving them. And for you today, whether it's giving finances to someone, making a visit, baking a meal, delicious baked good, writing a card, sending a text over the next couple of days or an email, a thoughtful present for your family and your friends. How about your postal person who's been delivering all the stuff? Run out and give them some cookies or something. It's the gift. It's our way of giving a part of ourselves. It truly brings home that a gift is continuous. It's the continuous thing throughout all of Christmas. So this morning, can you ask yourself this one question? What do I have to give a savior, our king, our shepherd, and our Lord? What could I give him? Proverbs 26, 23 says this. He tells us, give me your heart. The greatest gift that each of us have to give this morning is our heart. We hope and pray this message was encouraging and impactful. Join us live on our website or Facebook on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Rock Family. Have a Jesus-filled week.